This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo, as we preview Sunday's showdown at the Etihad. Team news, title talk intentions, all to come, plus our reaction to Jurgen Klopp's press conference. I enjoy these kind of games. I enjoy the preparation for the games, but it doesn't make it easier. It's just a really tough task. Thiago is probably not ready to return. It would be strange if he would be happy to leave here because too too much happened here uh, in a good way. He is. He was in so many games the difference maker. More from Jurgen Klopp to come on the game with City. Thiago Alcantara moving on from Melwood and Roberto Firmino. Alongside myself, Guy Clark, we have the Echo's Liverpool correspondent, Tool Paul Gorst, to build up to the biggest game of the season so far. Gorsty, how are we? Not bad. Yeah, not bad. Uh, big one, isn't it? Sunday, um, the one that's now become probably the, the, the first one you look to in the fixture list after um, Everton and Manchester United. So, uh, yeah, all... all uh, all heading towards the Yeti, aren't we? Yes, yeah, certainly. And also with us, our chief LFC writer, Ian Doyle, to preview the title showdown that nobody actually wants to call a title showdown. Doyley, how are you? Oh, OK. Um, yeah, it's not really a title showdown yet, is it? I think there's a few other teams this year will be involved. But uh, I think was it Guardiola and, uh, and Klopp have both fallen over themselves to just say, just another game, which it isn't. No, it isn't. And we've got so much to talk about. And first thing I'll, I'll ask you, Gorsty, about it is you mentioned before sort of the, the first one really you look to. So with that, are you excited for Sunday's game or what are the, the emotions? How are you feeling? Uh, excited as much as um, it's the, the two top teams, isn't it? The two most high-profile managers in the division, arguably in the world at the moment. Um, two most high quality, highly strung sets of players. Um, so I just think it's it's always going to be a, a game of who's got the most quality. I don't think it's a kind of rivalry in terms of the Liverpool really want to get one over on them, whether it's like Everton or United. But certainly over the last couple of years, this has become the rivalry in English football in terms of quality. So um, looking forward to from that perspective. Um, I wouldn't say it's I'd say that it's one that you look to now for the fixture list, but it's not uh, as, um, as as big almost as a, as an Everton or a United in that sort of traditional rivalry sense. But it, there's no doubt that um, the only results that Liverpool kind of really need to check for or, or have been checking for the last two years is what's happened with Manchester City. So um, it's going to be a, an interesting one and uh, another one where the two... Uh, the, the two big guns in the dugout go head to head. Yeah, it's a it's a game dolly as well that often actually does live up to the build up. I know there was the, the goalless draw at Anfield, of course, a, a couple of seasons ago, but so often this match it is all about quality and the, the two sides normally do both come to the party. But one of them did last time in the uh, the game back in July, I think it was July, yeah. I think it was the first of July. Uh Liverpool got beat four nil. I think Club made mention of it before saying, you know, when you play Man City you've got to be hundred percent focused, but the inference there was perhaps they weren't having spent quite a few days celebrating the fact Liverpool had won the uh, the Premier League title for the first time that you know the league title for the first time in thirty years. So yeah, normally it is a game, it's a bit bit nip and nip and tuck. I mean even the three one game last season at, at Anfield, you know, Liverpool 
took their chances. City didn't take theirs in the first half. And then for the last 20, 25 minutes, it was all City. They got one goal. They could have had a one or two more. That showed you that even though the scoreline looked a bit one-sided, the game perhaps wasn't. And I think that's been the case even when I think when City won 5-0, didn't they? In the, uh, well, that was when Mane got sent off. And Liverpool won 3-0 in the Champions League. And that was a game where City... Again, very much like the uh, the game uh, Anfield last season. It was first half Liverpool, second half Old City, and Liverpool managed to see it out. So Liverpool will know they're going to be in for a tough game. Jurgen Klopp said it, didn't he? He said that you know it, it's going to be a tremendously difficult game. He says probably for hopefully for both teams, meaning that Liverpool will give City a tough time. But it's not been a stadium that Liverpool have done particularly well in the recent years. That Champions League win notwithstanding, and even that's in the context of a two-legged match, once Liverpool make it one all, that's the, basically the end of the time. City, you know, I'm sure if Liverpool make it one all on the, on Sunday, City won't be like, giving in by that point. So it will be an interesting game. Um, am I excited by it? Well, I'm, I'm excited by anything, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> I'll, tell you what, I, I, it's not, I'll tell you what, though, it's not the first game that I look forward to when I look at the fixture list, though. It's still Everton, then United, and then possibly City, although for, for personal reasons, Tottenham. Uh, for me, just to see when uh, when they're going to annoy me during the course of the season. But yeah, it is going to be a big game. And, and as you said, actually, unlike a lot of the games, you look at Liverpool United, that's often a letdown. Look at United Arsenal, that's often a letdown. I know Arsenal won at the weekend, which was, you know, that time it has to happen every now and again. But uh, this Liverpool City game does tend to, to produce good games because both teams just go for it. There's never any sense of them just sitting back and defending. So I think we're going to see that again. Yeah, uh, Gorsley, we might hear your, your dog snoring in the background. I'm sure he won't be on Sunday <laughs> afternoon when the action's underway. Everyone will be glued to the action. But um, I suppose, is this game, sort of on what you mentioned before, is this game sort of bordering on the... I can hear it now. Yeah. I can, can hear it. Yeah. Is it bordering sort of on the era-defining for the Premier League? Obviously, back in the early noughties, it was Arsenal-Manchester United. Then it was Mourinho versus Benitez. Now it does feel as though this era of Premier League football is all about Liverpool-Man City. Yeah, I'm glad you made mention of that guy because uh, I wouldn't like to be accused of, of nodding off while you are giving us all your, your professional spiel. So it's not me snoring, it is, it is my dog. Um, I think so, yeah. I think in terms of, you know, when you look at the rivalries of the Premier League, they've always been built on a little bit of a little bit of needle having a little bit of dislike. You know, Jose Mourinho was fighting with anyone he could he, he wanted to in, in his days at Chelsea with Arsene Wenger and, you know, whoever else it was. Um, Ferguson, Wenger was always a big one, wasn't it? And Benitez, Mourinho and... I think this one's a little bit different because I don't think there's any real dislike between Guardiola and Klopp. But it's just the fact that they are in charge of, of the two best teams at the moment. Um, the dislike amongst the fan base has certainly been growing over the past couple of years with you know quite a few unsavoury incidents on both sides, let, let's be fair. But um, I think in terms of rivalry, it's, it's kind of like a new age one where it's all just kind of focused on um, who is and who has more quality on the pitch. And, it's, it's probably a good thing, isn't it? I mean, maybe not for us as journalists where we're looking for the little sound bites and the little bits of needle and, and the poking and the problem. And there was a little bit of that last year when Guardiola accused Manny of diving and Klopp came out in defence of that. And, you know, it all kind of got a little bit heated for about three days and then died down. But um, I think this is a rivalry just generally built on, on quality. Yeah, I suppose as well, Dory, on that, it's, I suppose, many ways, maybe clash of styles, clash of maybe who's got quite the the best of the elite squads city of course with their sort of 
artistic approach, trying to always walk the ball into the back of net, the, the, the perfect goal, the scientific approach almost to, to football. Whereas with Liverpool, it's all about the emotion, the graft, the hard yards. And at the moment, it is Liverpool, of course, who are the champions. Well, that's the, that was always going to be the one worry with no fans being there, uh, that Liverpool, perhaps because they were more reliant on the emotion of, of the occasion and, and their, the backing of that. I mean, all, we've said this loads of times, but all teams benefit from the backing of their fans no matter what level you're at, and it's a lot more harder. But Liverpool, for, for whatever reason, they seem to be able to grasp that and use that as a positive more than anybody else. City less so. I mean, I'm surprised that City have struggled as much as they have this season, to be honest. I think they will end up being... I still think this is the top two. I mean, Chelsea and Tottenham are doing better than I thought that they would. They would. United are doing a lot worse. Arsenal are doing okay, but they lose too many games, so they can't really be considered for, for a title challenge. I think it will be between those four teams, and I think over the course of a season, the more games are played, the the you know the deeper the squads we go into. Liverpool have already had that certainly at centre back a little bit in midfield. They haven't really had it up front, which is why they've had so many options. And that's why. You know, even on uh, on Sunday, we're not sure if we'll come to it who's actually going to play up front. Whereas normally, if it was Liverpool against City, you'd know exactly who's going to be playing up front. City's a bit different. They've had problems up front. No, Jesus is back now. But they've got so many options that I think it will be between these two teams. Between, you know, if, if the start of May, I think there's still five games to play in May. But if, if these two teams aren't the top two then, or certainly in the top three, I'd be very surprised. So, yeah, it is, it is a rivalry that's... There's been, I mean, it's it's an interesting one for me because you know, Ghosty mentioned it's a new age rivalry, but obviously, not, don't want to like uh, you know surprise anybody. But I'm not quite new age myself anymore. But for me, when I was growing up, City were bouncing around the divisions. You know, the, you know, they were down in the the, the third tier uh, about twenty odd years ago, twenty one years ago. They only won the um, that playoff final, didn't they, by scoring two goals in injury time to get through. So it's hard for me to have any kind of great enmity towards City simply because of that but in terms of on the pitch I mean as, as Gorsi said that there is there is a rivalry but it's it's all fairly good-natured well-natured you know this played in the right spirit these games although now that I've said that watch about three players get sent off in a massive scrap on Sunday yeah, it'd be interesting to keep an eye on Joe Gomez and Raheem Sterling yes. as well. But uh, more on <laughs> that, that, that that is what that is one actually that that is one where if you can touch on it now, that might be something that might determine the game, whether somebody, whoever wins that battle of, of wits, because if you see that when Sterling's ever been back to Anfield, he hasn't done particularly well because the crowd have been on his back. And even when he's played at the Etihad, the away fans have been on his back, but they're not there now. So that will help him. And it's whether he can get into Joe Gomez's head a little bit like, well, not, not literally physically like he did on England duty, literally got into his head. Um just you know, mentally, whether he can he can get at him again, but I think Liverpool will be a much stronger defensive proposition than they were, regardless of who's playing, uh, than they were at City back in July. Yeah, Gorsty, your thoughts on that? The the Gomez Sterling stuff. Have we moved on from that last year, or do you think, obviously, with with Sterling and his history with Liverpool, there might be something there? I think if it was at Anfield, we'd definitely be kind of be referencing it a little bit more. But you know, it, it's interesting because I actually thought Joe Gomez didn't quite really make a meal of that when he perhaps had cause to do so because um, I remember speaking to him after the, I think it was the Everton game in the FA Cup in the mix zone, which was in the January and, and he still had a nasty scar just, just below his right eye. Um, and that was nearly, well, two months on from, from that incident um, when, you really, when you think that Gomez didn't really come out and say much about it, he's kind of just got on with it and it was just an incident that kind of got leaked to, to the national newspapers, wasn't it? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think if it was an Anfield, you'd be hearing a little bit more about it. But it's at Etihad, and, and there's no fans there anyway, so I don't really think it'll form too much of the build up. But um, Sterling's always an interesting one. He, he hasn't had a, a great time at all when he's been back at Anfield, but um, he tends to do okay at the Etihad. I think he scored today in the, in the 4 0 win in July. Yeah. Um, kind of had, had gone with a little bit up the wall that day, but. Um, I mean, with with kind of Aguero out at the moment, obviously goal scoring bed and falls a little bit more on Sterling anyway, doesn't it? So um, he's going to be someone who's going to have to watch. Um, Kevin De Bruyne, not a whole lot. You can try and stop him, but you know he um, he seems to do as he pleases when he's on form. So Liverpool at a time they haven't, they haven't been particularly great defensively. Uh, they're going to have to tighten up a little bit more. Um, but um, I suppose. If John Matip starts, then that'll be obviously a, a massive bonus for the morning. Yeah, let's touch on the team news. Jurgen Klopp was asked about Joel Matip before the game. Said he has been back in training for a good week to eight days or so now. But Thiago Alcantara has been the name on everyone's lips. Will he be fit for the game? Well, here's what Jurgen Klopp had to say on the former Bayern Munich man. Thiago is probably not ready to return. Um, that's what I what I said in the beginning. Uh, maybe it's uh, people. Oh, I'm not sure. It was not 100 clear what I said because I didn't know. It's um, there was no surgery needed, but it was still an injury. So and uh, with these kind of injuries, it's always like you, you look day to day. So Thiago Alcantara is going to miss the game. Of course, I think one of the main things with it is the confusion as to what it is exactly that he's done. And Jurgen Klopp there saying it has to be assessed day to day, but no one actually knows what the in- injury ca- he's carrying is. It's uh, it's all very typical Liverpool under Klopp, isn't it? Very cloak and dagger, even with with what you assume are minor injuries. I think I think Joel Matip last season was probably the biggest. Example of that, he come off injured against Manchester United and he didn't play for three months and no one really knew what the injury was. I think if you, if you look at Jared and Jacari as well, before the start of the season, he played about, well, under 10 minutes um, all calendar year. And, and again, that was another injury that no one really knew what it was. And, and I asked Klopp at some point, um, you know, what exactly is up with him? And, and he was quite evasive and didn't really explain what it was. And I think that just goes back to the point that he doesn't really want the opposition getting um, any kind of early advantage where they can plan for games knowing that certain players are going to be out. And I suppose it's fair enough. It's a little bit old school, but um, it's certainly the way he thinks. And uh, yeah, uh, we were told a couple of weeks back that Thiago wasn't serious, but he's not going to play on Sunday. If he plays, at the, he's not in the Spain squad, so if he plays at the earliest against Leicester, he's still missed five weeks of action, hasn't he? So um just typical Liverpool, I think, in terms of how they um, openly discuss their injuries to their players. Yeah, it is a weird one, isn't it, Doyley? That he obviously he's played one full game. He came off the bench against Chelsea, and yet still, so much of the talk all the time is about Thiago and whether he's going to be fit. Well, he's quite good at football, so that helps. Um, so you're always going, even if he's you know he may have only played like 20 minutes, but if he's, he, I'm sure if Messi just signed for Liverpool and then played 20 minutes, didn't see him for three or four, which is still say Liverpool have missed him. Not saying he's quite as good as Messi, but he is a very good footballer. Uh, I mean, the interesting thing is that he's actually not. It was only three weeks ago that they played Everton. In fact, it was less than three weeks ago as we're recording this, and because of the games are just like game after game and the big games as well with the three in the Champions League and a couple of big ones in the in the league as, uh, leading up to this one. So you only have to, Klopp said this, you only have to be have like a minor, not like a minor-ish injury. You're missing about six, seven, eight, nine, ten games. So 
this is a season where they're having to rely on the squad, just as well they've got all those midfielders. I mean, we'll come on to the team selection later on. They've got, still got tons of choice in midfield who they could choose from to play. Um, but Thiago, I mean, it's 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 clearly an injury where he's not. he doesn't need surgery. He did do one-to-one training 10 days ago. Interestingly, in the pictures that we got shown, were certainly put out, one of them, he's pointing to his knee. Well, Klopp's there and Pep Linders is there. So they're saying to him there, yeah, I've just heard it again because <laughs> we haven't seen him since then. But uh, it seems to be, I would be surprised if he's not in or around the squad for the game against Leicester in a couple of weeks. If he's not been training before then, then you know, of course he said that's five weeks. And then suddenly it's like a, that is a, a serious enough injury to, to warrant a little bit more investigation as to what exactly has been wrong with him. Yeah, I suppose it's one of those where if he had had to have surgery, albeit even minor, you'd, you'd sort of have a time frame in mind, Gorsty. But how big a miss do you think he's going to be for this game? We've seen Liverpool, the, the approach change over maybe the last two seasons now towards more control. City are the masters of control, but Liverpool, of course, will be out without uh, an orchestrator in there in Thiago. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to say kind of how much of a miss because... Liverpool haven't really had a chance to, to get him in the team to, to miss him in a way. I mean, he was obviously very good in, in the Manchester derby, and he was he played that no pass didn't he to Mane when you know as you know Haaland was offside or whatever it was. But I think um, I think over the coming months, once he gets assimilated into the team and he becomes a regular, then you'll start to think he could be a miss if he's out for an extended period of time. I think at the moment he's. He's had the positive test for COVID and he's had this injury. So it still feels like his career hasn't really gone up and running. He played the full game against Everton. He played the second half against Chelsea. So he's played, what, what, what's that, 90 and 45? 135 minutes for Liverpool. Um, when Liverpool have played how many games already this season? It's not a lot, is it? So I don't think they, they have, they've had a chance to miss him. Um, in terms of control and midfield, he obviously keeps it so well. So he, he would be a miss in, in that regard particularly at the Etihad, where, you know, you, you do want to keep all of it and make sure that, you know, giving it to the opposition who can hit you in a flash. So, yeah, um, maybe after the international break, he'll be ready to, to really take off for Liverpool finally. But uh, at the moment, it's kind of just like he, he hasn't really become a Liverpool player in a way. It's, um, it's just a way it's worked out. Yeah, and I think Pep Guardiola has spoken publicly, obviously, that Virgil van Dijk's a miss for Liverpool, Doily. But on Thiago, he's a player sort of he cherry-picked before he went to Bayern Munich saying, you need to sign this player. So I'm sure from the Man City point of view, he'll be delighted that Thiago won't be part of the Liverpool side. Well, he knows him better than almost any other manager because he gave. I'm pretty sure he gave him his debut, didn't he, at Barcelona as well. So for him to take him and successfully take him to, to, to Bayern where you know, Thiago was... Just you know, probably even better player than he was at Barcelona. So he'll know he'll be relieved that he's not playing. That's for sure because he'll know what he can do. He's kind of he's like a, you know, Ghosty mentioned before about De Bruyne. He can do what he wants. You know, Thiago's not exactly the same type of player in the sense that you know with his thrusting runs and playing that far up, maybe just get past people. But he does it in terms of the passing ability. I think the pair of them are on a par, and I think Liverpool would have had that threat from from a bit deeper as opposed to De Bruyne, who's a bit further up the field. So that's what. That's why Thiago was was bought to 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 bring. That's what he was meant to bring into this team, and I'm sure he will do when he actually gets fit. But at the moment, you know, it's good news for Pep that uh, that he's not playing. Is it too easy, Gorsley, to say that midfield is the key battleground in this game, given how City like to keep the ball, and of course Jordan Henderson in there for Liverpool? Maybe. I mean, 
you, you suggest that that is the case for most games, don't you? But I think, uh, yeah, I mean, City are probably going to be reliant on Kevin De Bruyne having a great game, aren't they? Um, I'm not sure whether Jesus is fit, but we know Aguero's out. Um, Mahrez is, is an interesting one on, on the right. It's, you know, he doesn't start most games for City, or, or certainly hasn't over the course of his career, but he's got so much quality when he comes in. He's just a fantastic player to have in reserve. So I think he's going to be an interesting prospect for, for Andy Robertson down the left. Um, but I think, the, I think the big one for the pool is, is what they can do on the counter-attack. And I think uh, Jota, with his running ability on and off the ball, um, and obviously just the, the general form that he's in, I think he probably has to get the nod ahead of Firmino and Liverpool can really, you know, give their all to, to a counter-attacking game because um, I, I think when Liverpool do, do those, those turnovers from back to front, you know, they can hurt, they can hurt anyone and I think if, if they can kind of get City up against that more, more often than not, then I think that's where Liverpool will, will have their joy on, on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, we'll really get stuck into that Jota-Firmino debate shortly. But Doily, going into the game, Man City already five points behind Liverpool. They sit in 10th. Of course, they have played a game fewer. But Liverpool, if they win, can go eight points clear. So is all the pressure on Manchester City or is there pressure on Liverpool, therefore, to, to stretch this lead over over them? I don't think there's any extra pressure on either team. The other way of looking at it is if Liverpool lose, they could end up being fourth by the... Uh... The end of the weekend, I'd imagine Tottenham will beat West Brom. I don't know who Leicester are playing, but uh, they'll probably win that one. So, you know, there's every chance that Liverpool could be could be further down the table. I think it's, if you see it, I mean, the fact that City are 10th, aren't they? But win the game in hand, I think, and, and win tomorrow, and suddenly they're above Liverpool. So that shows you how tight it is. We are so early into the season, and it's going to be a season, we've said this loads of times, where the teams at the top are going to lose a lot more than they have done in recent years. So you're going to have to... It's interesting. I think that the games in between the top, the leading teams... And by that, I actually mean not just the top, the traditional top six. I'd probably count Leicester and Everton in there, and possibly Wolves. So you've almost like got almost a half table. They're just like competing between themselves. The teams that win the most of those games are the ones that's going to be highest up. And this is obviously one of those games. It's probably the biggest game of the season now in terms of the quality. We've just been talking about that. You could argue it takes it goes in cycles, doesn't it? In terms of okay, in terms of actual profile, Liverpool be Man United is the biggest game. It's as simple as that. It probably always will be. But you'd hardly say that United are on a par with Liverpool in terms of quality at the moment. In the same way that 10 years ago, it wasn't Liverpool and United. It would have been Chelsea and United and before that, Arsenal and United. So in that sense, it's a game. I always think it's an interesting game where how many people from, from the other leagues will be watching it? Other countries will be watching it and seeing what's going on between City and Liverpool in this game. I think there actually will be quite a lot because it has gained over the past five, six years. Certainly since... Guardiola's taken over at City and Klopp's got Liverpool into this kind of winning machine. It's become the game where you could argue it's almost, with the possible exception of Bayern Munich, it's the best two teams in Europe. Certainly certainly two of the best three or four. And why wouldn't you be interested in a game like that? It's because it's, it's better than, to the quality, it's better than the El Clasico, isn't it? You know, you've seen Barcelona and Real Madrid aren't particularly great at the moment. And for all Liverpool's problems defensively, for all Man City struggling to score, I still think the pro them when they go head to head, the the amount of quality that'll be on show, provided they don't just do. There was that as you mentioned that one game where City sat back and it was the nil nil game and field of the year. It's the only time where either manager's done something in any way different. 
I think they're just going to both go for it. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. It is only then Liverpool's eighth game of the Premier League season there, Gorsty, but we in the media, as it were, get branded with talking about this one, as I said right at the start, being a title showdown. And whilst, yes, it's too early to actually say definitively this could be the game that does decide where the title goes. As Doyle referenced there, it is those games against the teams at the top that ultimately does shape things and can leave sort of psychological scars as well. Definitely. I I think... um... I, I think Sunday's game is is in Liverpool's favour because I think if they win, then they go eight points clear ahead of Manchester City. And of course, City have still got that game in hand. But I think any manager would say well, they'd rather have the points on the board than the opportunity to play for the points. So I think the onus is going to be on City to kind of reduce that gap. Um, Liverpool don't have to win it, and even if they lose, it's not terminal for the plans of retaining the title. It'll be a bit of a setback, but they'll still be ahead of City and, and will be until, you know, when, whenever that game in hand is played. Um, so I think City can't really afford, even at this early stage of the season, to be staring up at an eight-point gap against Liverpool because um, whilst they, they will drop more points than they did last season, they only dropped 15 last season, 16. Um, I think... They're not going to drop many, are they? This is a team that's lost five of the last 82 or something, is it? So um, the onus is definitely on City more to, to get the win. And I think Liverpool, will, if, you, if you ask Klopp now, I think he'd, he'd be more than happy to settle for a point and, and move on. So um, City have got to take the game to Liverpool. And then that is where certain counter-attacking opportunities could open up for, for Liverpool. It was so good at that kind of football. Yeah, I'll... I think if you'd have said, I think if you'd have said at the start of the season, coming into this game or after this game, if Liverpool draw this game, and they've just played Atalanta, which is supposedly going to be the hardest away game in Europe, and they've just won that five nil, and they've lost Van Dijk probably for the season, and they've had defensive problems, and they got the turnaround of fixtures, and they've had the players missing through injury and, and failing the coronavirus tests, and all of that. Even if they draw on the end of only being a point off the lead, if you'd have said that at the start of the season, all that's going to happen. And you'll have played City, Chelsea and Everton away. And you'll only be one point off the top and you'll have won all three games in the Champions League. I think Liverpool would have taken that here, you know, straight away, basically. So I think a draw is a, it would be a decent result. And as, as Gorsi said, he, Gorsi's right in, that, in the sense that it's not a title decider and still a long way to go. If there's any onus on any team, it's probably on City to get a positive result for them, the win. But also, possibly, they need to put the kind of they might think they need to put a kind of statement out the way that Liverpool did on uh, on Tuesday night. Yeah, I was going to say, just the point I was going to make there, and I'll come to you, Gorsty, with it, is obviously since the injury Van Dijk suffered, the defeat at Aston Villa, Liverpool have turned things around and been on a brilliant run of form. We spoke last week how Jurgen Klopp was maybe a bit tetchy. Have we taken almost for granted Liverpool just churning out these wins? Because they seem, obviously, with the, the midweek game sort of being the, the jewel in the crown so far, that they've got back to that relentless machine of just churning out win after win. Sometimes the performances aren't great. Sometimes they are like against Atalanta. Yeah, I, I think so. I think, um, I think Liverpool have been so... I mean, along with City, so dominant for the past two years or so, two and a half years, that when they're not comfortably walking to, to victories, then it's seen as the scene is a little bit infallible, and and you know there are weaknesses that are a little bit you know accentuated more than you normally would be. So I think that is probably why it doesn't really look as though they've been 
been, you know, at their absolute best of late. I mean, they haven't, but they've still been picking up the wins, haven't they? Against West Ham, against Sheffield United, they both both teams who put them under pressure, but you know, Liverpool have come away with six points from six and probably should have nine points from nine, you know, if, if we're talking about the mid derby post-international break. So, um, while they haven't been at the best, they've had so many defensive issues, seemingly, you know, every game. There's been another crisis at centre-back and, and they've managed it really well, haven't they? Let's face it, the, the, you know, three from three in the Champions League, um, they're going to be in the, the knockout stages of that once again, the, the top of the Premier League. So, um, just going off, off those two facts, you have to say that Liverpool have been um, very good of late. And um, whilst the Atalanta game was a lot more closer to what you'd expect Liverpool at their best to look like, um, there's a lot to be said for the kind of manner in the way they haven't wilted in the face of going behind against Sheffield United or West Ham. They've just stuck to their game plan um, and trusted in it that it's going to be better than, than the other team on the day. And, and so it's proven. Yeah, let's now then talk about Diogo or Diogo Marajota. Insert your pun here for <laughs> Diogo Jota. Let's talk about him. He's been. Let's not. Let's not call him that. No. No. Let's not he's been. He's been a brilliant player. I was gonna. I was gonna ask you, Doyle, if you had any uh, Diogo Jota puns that you wanted to to get out there. But he has been in scintillating form. He's been brilliant every time he plays. He seems to uh, to score. And now the question is, does he start at the Etihad? Oh, well, Jota's got the lotter, I think is what you wanted me to say, wasn't it? You know, D- D- DJ in tune, all that kind of thing. Um, what was the question, sorry? How was he going to start? Right, uh, I don't know, actually. I don't want to give away my team, but um, I think that, well, there's two options, isn't there? Can it go down the middle instead of Firmino, who would normally play in this kind of game, but, there's, you know, he scored six goals in his last four games. You have Jota and, was it, seven in ten since he's moved to, to Liverpool. I saw that... Um, Nuno, the Wolves boss, was saying very nice things about him. Uh, interesting. I think one I saw some Wolves fans saying that he tends to score in like um, little little stretches, little bursts. So he'll he'll score like as he scored now. Then he might not go ten games without scoring, which isn't ideal as a forward. But you know, it's better to have those goals than not have them, especially at that time when Liverpool got this other forward, Firmino, who's, who's for whatever reason not be quite been hitting the heights. And I think. I, I just saw something in Firmino's game when he came in against Atalanta, and I know it's a team that was losing 5-0, but he seems to have this kind of slightly extra spring in his step. He just seems to... Sometimes footballers don't realise that they need it, but they do need a kick up the backside or a little threat into their position. You know, because there's, no, there's no suggestion that you know, Firmino, in the same way that Manny and Salah, none of them have taken their places for granted, but they probably knew that if there was a big game coming along, they were going to be playing. I mean, no one's played for Klopp more times than Firmino, but... That might not be the case on Sunday. And if it isn't, then nobody would be surprised. In the same way that if he does play, nobody would be surprised because of the history that he's got with the manager and being, you know, certainly in these games against Man City where he scored at the Etihad a few times, he's, he's created a few goals, he's got a decent record in this game. But, I mean, the ultimate thing is Liverpool are the winners here because they're going to get, either way, they're going to get an informed forward or they get a, a, a proven forward He's going to be coming back into the team with a point to prove. So... You know, I think Firmino's 29, and if that's where he is in his career, and he's still getting, you know, these, as I say, these little kicks at the backside, then that's good because that's not automatic for absolutely every footballer. I mean, any footballer would benefit from that, no matter how good they are. I mean, a lot of this, this motivation is from within, but for him, I think it, it could help him, but ultimately it helps Liverpool. 
Yeah, he did come on. I seem to remember in midweek he came on immediately, got the ball on the edge of the box, tried a shot and it got blocked. He did look like he was a player trying to maybe prove somewhat of a point. Uh, Gorsty, what have you made of Diogo Jota as well? He got that hat-trick and it was impressive in terms of how he linked with certainly Sadio Mane in that interchanging in position throughout the game on, on Tuesday as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, for, for whatever reason, I find myself watching Wolves quite a lot last season, uh, probably because they were on Sally quite a lot and played about 70 games. So I always like Jota and I like, to be honest, I like all three of Wolves, Wolves, Tahas, Traore and Jimenez. And, um, I, one thing I, 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 I always thought when he came in, I thought he's, uh, he's, he's almost ideal in terms of he's high quality backup. He's not going to rock the boat and that front three are going to remain as they are. But if there is, you know, someone to drop out, then Jota is, is good enough to come in and, and, you know, the quality isn't hampered too much. So I've been surprised by how well he's, he's adapted already. I mean, um, two great feet, uh, great runner, great presser of the ball. Um, very intelligent in kind of some of the passes that he makes. And um, he can finish, can't he? We've already seen that. I think, I think he's got three European hat-tricks now across the last year or so, which... Um, some record um, just you know another real um, weapon in Liverpool's attack on Arsenal um, and, and let's face it they've already got quite quite a fair view so um, I think I, I don't think I don't think we have to say that now he's he's got to take Firmino's place for the long term because Clark will judge it on a game to game basis and, and see you know horses for courses and so on it's just great that Liverpool have got another kind of string to the bow and um I'd say I wouldn't necessarily say that he's going to take Firmino's place for the long term over the next three, four, five, six months. But for Sunday, he's he's the man in form, um, and for me, I think he has to start. Yeah, quick stat attack on Diogo Jota. He's got seven goals in his first ten games for Liverpool. Best record since Robbie Fowler back in 1993, and first Liverpool player in his first two Champions League starts to scoring them back to back since Robbie Keane, if uh, either of you guys knew that one. That was one that took me by surprise. But let's talk about... You took that from uh, from my verdict. No, I didn't. No, did you You, you put that in there, did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can tell you that Firmino has only scored seven in his last 36 games. So there you go. There's a little stat for you. Now, let's talk about Roberto Firmino, who Jurgen Klopp was asked about in his press conference and uh, whether people maybe have been too quick to write him off. Here's what he had to say. Who is with us, I don't have to say one word about Bobby Firmino and how important he was for us. So I don't waste time with that. Who is not with us, I don't care if they know about him, to be honest. So he is, he was in so many games, the difference maker without scoring, um, maybe, I'm not sure, but with scoring as well um, in other games. So that it, I would feel really embarrassed if I have to mention now the qualities of Bobby Firmino. Jurgen Klopp there talking about those games in which he made a difference. Even early on in his rain Gorsty, you think of the game at Chelsea, but then straight afterwards, even against Man City, Liverpool's last league win at the Etihad and Roberto Firmino was so crucial in that 4-1 win. He was. He was kind of plugging a gap almost at that, at that point as a number nine. I think most people thought of him as a, as a number 10, someone kind of playing off the front man, but Given Ben Teke's, um wasn't really suited to how Klopp wanted to play, and Daniel Sturridge was obviously struggling with injuries. Danny Ings was out. I think he almost had that position thrust upon him, and, and he adapted to it so well. And I think 
that four one win at the Etihad there was almost like a um you know, crystallizing moments for fans of, of what this team could be under Klopp. I mean it was really was a, a fantastic display. They could Man City's the ribbons with Coutinho and Firmino and Emre Chan with that back heel pass. Lalana was was pressing like a demon as Klopp might say and um, that was that was one of the first big results, wasn't it? Along with that Chelsea one away, uh, which came on Halloween, I think. So, um, quite, you know, within you know October November time, well, within a couple of months of them coming in, you could already see the clock was laying the blueprints. And um, I, I, I don't think I don't think there should be any kind of um, serious long term questioning of, of Firmino's importance to Liverpool. I just think maybe he's, he's gone through a little bit of a sticky patch at the moment and. Uh, as Klopp said on Tuesday night, was it on Wednesday night? Um, feels like he's played 500 games in a row, and whether he meant that or not, that probably tells you that he could probably do with a little bit of a rest, couldn't he? So stick him on the bench, have him in reserve as the super sub, and um, give Jota a run out. Is would be my uh, my advice. Yeah. Do you get that feeling, Doyley, that it is almost, I don't know if burnout's the right phrase to use, but you referenced it before how sometimes players just need to come out for a game or two, hit the hit the reset button before they come back in? Because Roberto Firmino has been and will continue to be such a key player for Liverpool. He's not just going to have lost his value to Jurgen Klopp overnight, is he? No, I mean, how many players are going to say, yeah, boss, I could do with the rest? They're, just never, they're never going to do it. They never do it, especially when you're in a team like Liverpool, where, you know, if you're coming out the team... I mean, look what happened. He got he's been benched for the last two European games, and 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 Jota's come in and scored four, hasn't he? Because he scored against uh, against the Danes uh, last week. We still can't pronounce properly, which is why I'm refusing to do so. Um, is it is it Michelland? It is, isn't it? I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah, it's near enough, near enough. Um, but yeah, I think I think with Firmino, I don't know as Gorsty said, there's no doubts over his long-term future at Liverpool. Although I have said, and I said it in a podcast, I think, uh, the other week, which made a bit caused a bit of a stir, that I'm I'm convinced this was going to be the last season that Firmino, Salah and Mane would, would play together as a front three you know, regularly. It's, it's already happening, isn't it? It's already happening with Jota coming in and providing, whether that's making him into a front four, which could happen on Sunday, has happened uh, against Sheffield United, I think it was, recently, or as a front three. So he got the options. I mean, we're not talking about the others, you know, uh, Minamino, who an interesting one for me was to see Jota play down the middle against Atalanta when it was only a couple of weeks ago where Klopp was expressly asked, where do you see Jota playing? Where do you see Minamino playing? He says, yeah, Minamino is down the middle and Jota is on the left. And now Jota goes down the middle and scores three, which goes, goes, goes to show that not so much that Klopp was misleading people, but that's just how football changes. I mean, let's just say, let's just say, for example, one of Mane or let's just say Salah gets injured. Mane can go on the right and possibly then put Minamino down the left and Kate Jota in the middle and because so, I think Minamino's better on the left. So if it turns out that Jota's better down the middle, then it, then it's you know good good for Liverpool then. But Klopp said it himself, didn't he, after the game on Tuesday? He says when he was asked about the selection, he says, look, the way that Atlanta play high line, we need somebody who can, can can get in there. And he offers something a little bit different to what Firmino can can offer. It'll be interesting when Liverpool come up against a, a deep line midfield where Jota can't get in behind, whether that's a game for Firmino to come in where he drops deep. And we've seen so many times when opposing defenders who've come up against Firmino for the first time go, we get asked about him afterwards and they go, well, we've never come up against a player like him before, so we don't know what to do, you know, because he drops off and we don't know whether to follow him or what. So we're left marking nothing. Liverpool get the ball in midfield, pass it around, and then they can exploit what spaces that they, they do have. So 
as Corsi said, it's going to be. It's always been horses for courses in midfield, and I've got a feeling it might be the case we're up front now. Yeah, let's get into our team selection then before we wrap things up. We spent an awful lot of time talking about team news, but let's go through our 11s uh, in gold. No surprise, Alison Becker. Gorsty, come to you for the, the back four. And uh, after Jurgen Klopp's revelation about Joel Matip, does he make your team? Yeah, I think he has to. I mean, I was um, hugely impressed by that, uh, Phillips against West Ham. Um in the same way I was with uh, Reese Williams against um, Atalanta, but um, this is the big one, isn't it? And, and Matip, um, even if he's not 100%, he's going to have to come in and, and play his part. Doyle, do you agree with that? And who's your back for? Uh, well, the full-backs are the full-backs, and obviously Gomez plays. The interesting thing is, I'm going with Matip as well. I think Matip has to play, and I think... I think Klopp was quite happy not to use him against Atalanta. Initially, we did have the conversation. I thought he'd start and then go off after uh, after the first half because he possibly needed the minutes. But he did play against Everton, didn't he? So it's not as if he's been unfit in the sense of not match fit. He just hasn't been... He, he, what was it? He hurt a, a, a muscle in his leg. So uh, I think that, that I think Matip will start. I don't think there'll be any doubt about that. The interesting thing is with Gomez is that this will be the seventh game since the last international break. And he'll be starting, if it's Matic, with a fifth different centre-back partner. Because he started with Van Dijk, went on to Fabinho for two games. Then it was uh, then it was Nat Phillips against West Ham. Then it was Reese Williams in, in midweek. And now you've got Matic. So for Gomez, it's just, he's having to just like learn a different game every single time, which is probably probably makes... It's it's weird, isn't it? When you see them in, in the summer and they go up on these tours and they, they have certain selections and they play this player next to this player and you wonder why they're doing that, suddenly... This is why, because you don't want to be learning how to play alongside somebody when you're playing against, you know, in a Champions League game or you're playing against Man City away from home in the Premier League. And it's it's that stat that keeps getting rolled out as well, that it will be Matip and yeah. Gomez together for the, the yeah. first time. When Matip's been around for, what, four years, Gomez five. It seems unbelievable that those two players have, have never started a game together. But uh, Gorsty, come to you for your, uh, your midfield. Um... I mean, has got to be a must, hasn't he? I'm trying to think, is there anyone else fit to kind of make this one a bit of a dilemma? But obviously, no Oxley Chamberlain, no Thiago. Curtis Jones has, has done okay, but I might be a little bit wary of starting him at the Etihad. So I'm going to go Henderson, Wijnaldum, and then obviously with no Fabinho, um, try and trust the James Milner. No Naby Keita then, because he was back, wasn't he, in the, the squad at the, in midweek? Yeah, he's, he's another one I might be slightly concerned with, with starting him in the Etihad and he hasn't played a lot of football. Um, so uh, I'm going to err on the side of caution with, with this one, I think. And Doyley, what midfield are you going for? Uh, I think, well, Henderson and Wijnaldum, obviously, because they have to. Both of them got subbed, didn't they, in, in midweek. So there was that was obviously to protect them a little bit. Although there was still five days in between the two games. Curtis Jones is interested. Um, I'm kind of thinking he might play. Given the fact that Klopp's starting the last couple of games, he's got a little. He thought he was, I thought he was actually really good against Atalanta when you consider what the stage was. Um, this is the kind of game where he might revel in the extra responsibility. I would imagine that Henderson and one Elden in particular, those two in particular, will probably sit a little bit deeper and protect the defence a little bit. That might give Jones a little bit of an extra room to 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 go on. I mean, could they play the four of them in terms of? Jota, Firmino, Salah and Mane? I don't think so. 
I also don't think Jones will play. I'm actually, I was going to say Milner, but I changed my mind. I'm going to say Cater. <laughs> Uh, you've gone through every. I thought for one moment you had Jones. Then I thought you were going to go four two three one. You're I just think, teasing us. I think the point, the point there is that whichever one of them plays, it won't be a surprise because they've all got their qualities, and it depends entirely on how Klopp wants to approach the game. If he wants to be a bit more, you know, protective of the defence, then yeah, play play Milner. If you want to, you know, not so much extra legs in midfield and a little bit of, you know, the. the you know, unsure of what to expect from Man City point of view because it'd be interesting if Foden plays for Man City because then you'd have Foden up against Jones. And I know Foden's a long way ahead in terms of his progression, in terms of first team experience. I do think that Curtis Jones is a very good footballer and can be a slightly different footballer, but just be as effective. And then you've got Cater, who you forget he started the first four games this season, didn't he? And then he got his inch. So he was the man in possession. So from that point of view, it shouldn't be surprised to see if Cater starts because, again, I think I think he looked quite lively when he came on in midweek. Yeah, I suppose Jurgen Klopp may be trying to go for what would be his strongest team on paper, even from the the start of the season. Doyle, come back to you then for your forward three. Who are you going for? Uh, well, Salah and Mane. That's a surprise. Um, and I'm going to go with Firmino. Firmino. Firmino's playing. And Gorsty, you, you've got Diogo, have you? You're on mute, Gorsty. No. <laughs> I thought you'd got through a whole pod without going on to, on to mute. <laughs> Just worried about the snoring dog. Um, I, I had a feeling you were going to go with Firmino Doyle. Um, I'm going to go with Jotter, I think. Um, yeah, I, I just think from, from, what, from what he's shown already, I mean, I, I don't think you can overlook him because, you know, what, what, why, why is he trying his, his best? Why is he putting his all in to, to make a mark when... He's going to get left out of the biggest game of the season. So uh, Jota, Mane and, uh, and Salah for me. Interesting stuff. Match predictions then. What's the score going to be, Gorsty? 2-2 two, two draw. 2-2 two, two draw on Doily. Well, I said 3-2 to Atalanta, so I said there'd be five goals in that game. I just didn't think they'd all be in the same goal. Um, oh, what am I going to do here? What am I going to do here? Hmm. The interesting thing is, if you look at the team, Liverpool's team... With the exception of Van Dijk, that's probably the team. I know we mentioned Thiago before, but it, that's almost the first choice team, isn't it? With the exception of Van Dijk. And I know we're assuming these players are going to get through the last couple of uh, training sessions. I don't know. You know, I'm going to be really poor and say 2-2 as well. Although I wouldn't be surprised if it's 3-2 either way. Yeah, I was so say, we've got a win, lose, or a draw. Win, yeah, lose, no, or a draw. You, yeah. I was going to say, earlier in the pod, you did say you th- you reckon it would be a draw. Liverpool would take a draw. But we've got two draw predictions then. I'd love it to be 1-0 on James Milner. Just the the simplicity <laughs> of a former Man City player going back and getting the only goal. That would be brilliant. But anyway, we'll have plenty long, of reaction. Oh, yeah, no, totally. Yeah, I was going to say, as long as he doesn't score in the last minute. If he scores in the first minute, we'll be happy with that. <laughs> Yeah, no rewrites late on for for you lads. No, certainly. Anyway, we'll have plenty of reaction to the game on Sunday. Make sure you join us for the debrief. Catch all of the reaction over on the Liverpool Echo website. Jurgen Klopp's press conference will be on the Blood Red YouTube channel. And of course, plenty of fallout on Monday's Blood Red podcast. But from myself, Guy Clark, Paul Gorst and Ian Doyle, thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.